0: And classic <laughs> welcome friends and fiends to another full episode of Colton and classic podcast the podcast where we talk about a mainstream and a cult movie each of which have a thematic link and we discuss them both with you as always is me your host comedian and film critic nate wyckoff uh this is an, an og style episode we've got our original two contributors back uh, and i'm happy about it first up is tad mastroani how are you doing tad sweet jesus what have you done ah and uh with us we have our good friend jeffrey tucker hey jeff waiter
1: one Colton classic podcast hold the mcmurderer
0: oh (laughs) cannot be done That, that is that is a uh reference to one of today's selections we actually have a special shorts Uh, extravaganza here today we have four shorts that we'll talk about rather than doing two uh, films so basically my opening was a lie to you uh so let's get right into it i'm really excited about this we're gonna start first with uh a a a film called create your killer it's about eight minutes it's by sarah gierkski and apologies sarah and to your cast if i mispronounce names it is almost certain to happen um especially because uh, my swedish is horrendous and this is a film from sweden and uh yeah so let me just go into kind of a discussion of what is in this film uh we get it's, it's only eight minutes but i feel like they do pack a lot of potential in here and a lot of visual style which is cool called create your killer and it stars uh two women and their male friend who's playing a video game on the floor in what looks like a a rental house or a, a large dorm like off campus i don't know what it is but it's a house uh playing game it's dim there's uh video game posters everywhere and uh one of the girls finds behind the tv a box with a vhs tape that says create your killer on it and a remote uh she puts the vhs in the vhs player and it turns out to be some sort of vintage-esque retro-esque pixel game where you use the remote to build your killer which appears in the house in real time and you can control uh unless you drop the remote and the batteries fall out in which case the killer starts to kill. Uh there's a little bit more to it. Um so first I would just want to say that this film had really nice production. The lighting is great, the um the pixel effects, the music, the sort of synth new, you know, uh, New Wave synth soundtrack is very, uh, put me in the mood of indie games now, which are my favorites these days. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The There's like this cute little ending where uh, the survivor sort of uses, and this is a spoiler as always, but survivor uses the killer to sort of do their their chores and and such and we get that in the form of a nicely animated uh, sort of nes era video game uh, animated montage of the killer doing nice things like making popcorn and taking out the dead bodies to the dumpster and all sorts of things like that this is i actually received this film for review uh, from sarah in two, way back in 2020 and I have to apologize up front for taking this long to get to it um, but Sarah is working on a feature length based off of this uh, premise and this project so uh, I think it's we'll start there I think that it's uh, got a lot of promise as a feature length because the idea is kitschy and it's fun um, and in the short she played a lot with sort of the archetypal horror Characters like a Chucky S character, uh, a Jason Voorhees S character, Mike Myers, uh, things like that, which was a lot of fun. Tad, what was your expectation going in, and what do you feel about this premise into a feature film
2: transformation? I, it's an interesting stretch. Um, it was cute. I liked it. It was um, for uh, for Sarah's reference. She missed a golden opportunity to throw the original eight bit. Friday the 13th soundtrack into this because I'm pretty sure nobody would have harassed her about it. I was having, affecting that, that when you're walking around the campsite and waiting for Jason to jump out at you. It didn't happen but that's okay um, it feels kind of like a live action version of the jason of the friday
0: the 13th game It does. Uh, i'm sure somebody has that rights and would <laughs> be irritated and you would get some sort of dma off of off of vimeo or whatever uh, but but
2: yeah that does have that vibe a sort of you can't win vibe if nothing else so yeah i thought it was i mean it was short I mean, it's a short film, and it's about the length that you know we used to make our short films because you know we have short attention spans. So, um, I would be very interested to see what the final product for something that's kind of expanded out of that. I thought thought it was well self contained, and I could definitely tell that there was a Scandinavian cast before I even saw the credits because I heard the accent leaking out every other sentence. I, I was like, oh, there's some there's some Scandinavian leaking out here, but <laughs> it was because this was, film is in English. Um, and pretty excellent
0: English is really nothing to claim, you know, clamor about there, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it does have that vibe. And uh, that said, I felt like it could have been filmed in Orange County, California, or anywhere uh, in the I did S I didn't, I didn't see anything visually that was a, a cue on that, but yeah, the accent's just a little bit there. Um, and uh, Jeff, what was your expectation going in and what do you think about making
1: this concept wise a feature? Well, the previous movie, the previous short I watched was horrible. So I, I had low expectations, uh, but it was delightful. Um, I mean, it, it it gets you in really quickly and then gets you out really quickly. You get a little entertainment value. Um, I do think the best part was like the little animated cute thing at the end. I agree. Um, was really it was good. Favorite. It was well animated. Um, it it re- really was well done. Um, but yeah, going into a feature I am interested to see what you pack in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you go, you know, a lot more deeper into like the characters, you know, like why is this chick so bent on revenge that she'll, you know, like call her friend, you know, l- leading the murderer to her so that she can, you know, get yeah, to Let's the let's remote. get into that
0: weird plot cuz so and and this gets into one of my my few gripes about it uh, where, where there are some is that um the one of the characters is texting uh her ex-boyfriend it seems and the other one the other friend is like give me that stop he cheated on you like what you know come on um and then somehow while they're running from the killer and they're both hiding in closets in the same room and the killer's looking around the friend with the cheating boyfriend seems to get like go through text messages of the other friend with her boyfriend, like she was the one that was cheating with, but how that would have happened, I don't understand. Um, and then, but when she realizes it, then she calls her friend's phone, so it rings, so the killer knows where she is, and, and that. Kill- so that was a. I get the. I get the desire for that moment because it is a, a good moment, um, but the actual, my brain was still trying to understand what was happening after yeah. it had already happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that that maybe is a cut situation, like a cut error or, or some sort of, there was just some sort of narrative disconnect um, at that moment that happened.
1: And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a short, you know, you're like trying to jam all this stuff. You don't like, you don't do character development. You don't really know the history of these characters or, you know, why they are who, who and what they are. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was entertaining enough for me. And you, know, you just, you know, cause it's short, you get in, you right. get out. I, I, I don't get so bothered by that, but I can understand you know where, where you're coming from because it was confusing. It didn't really make uh, it wasn't clear. It, there wasn't a perfect clarity in that scene.
0: So um, because uh, one of the this is a minor hang up that I don't think anybody else should concern themselves with, but as such a you know technology antiquarian, you, know, if you will, uh, the, the idea of a VHS tape being able to in any way be controlled, <laughs> from a remote control the way that it was it did throw me off because it feels like something that you'd have an old like
1: uh yeah you you needed like uh definitely uh what i don't know the suspension there you need quite a lot like okay something dish- of something's happening
0: here uh, i'm just gonna guess, accept it i think in another five years i mean granted vhs is making a strange comeback in the collecting world which w- many of our followers like myself are vhs collectors and uh and we've got a lot of specialty coming up on that and we'll talk even a little more about vhs this episode Ooh. um but it is uh It was, it was a weird, I don't know that kids in the future will really understand that you couldn't possibly do the the things that's being done with a VHS, not even getting to the point of materializing, uh, uh, you know, a a full creature in your house, but uh, just the fact that you could not. You're like interacting with this. Yeah, you'd be rewinding it, you'd be like looking for the timestamp, it'd be a nightmare.
1: It's kind of like people who grew up with DVD like thinking like vhs works like kind of the same way because you have like menus and stuff in dvds right and i mean Um,
0: sarah has a vhs prop and a vhs player in this film so i'm sure she understands she's she's utilized it yeah yeah yeah. so but uh but it was it did throw me off because i'm like ooh, a big part of vhs is the incredible limitation
1: yeah Um, well i mean i think that it probably like for for first like you know from when we were a kid it's like oh you don't find a vhs you find like you know, like a record or like an A track or something, because it's like an <laughs> artifact. So it's like, yeah, I she had to do like a a an artifact essentially. That yeah, they found it was sort
0: of like the the Jumanji uh, 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 soft reboots where they've you know they yeah. it's essentially an Atari like system that they find and no longer a board game that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I thought this was interesting myself. I really enjoyed the idea, and I thought that the the visual effects, like the um the tracking hold on the on the killer when he's transported into the house and they're like essentially in pause waiting for them to finish building the character or selecting a character uh those were really well done as i said the lighting was really well done um uh sarah is actually one of the characters in this she plays isabella who i believe is the survivor uh although i could could be wrong on that um and then we have jasmine martinez as amanda uh and then um Adam is played by Emmanuel Markskog and and the killer is Mikhail Bjorkman, and there's a couple other people in in other costumes in there. But I think it, it's really wide open territory as what Sarah can can do with the feature length, and I'm really excited to see it because I like the idea of this, uh, you know. I love a haunted artifact essentially so the idea of this this tape that does this thing that people can control kind of, um, and the fact that she's used it to play with such 80s horror movie archetypes. Uh, yeah. in a fun way and the fact that i love that they reference that everyone is not quite right they're like oh look it's jason and like kind of you know and then like <laughs> oh chucky mm, not really you know like they're 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 the um the swap meet bootlegs you know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the horror kingdom i thought that was really fun uh i think that and again i think you could do this similar plot in a feature length but i'd love to see her really expand it and, and change, have a different plot with the same device um yeah. Because I think that that gives a lot. I think there's a lot more that can be done with this. And I think that this narrow scope of the short fits for a short. Um, we see a lot when we see a feature length expansion um, from a short, they'll really try and keep the same plot of the short to the detriment of the film at large. Um, I think Killbox is one where that was made off of a short that was kind of a, a halo. Um, teaser trailer for a live action that was quite good and the the full film wasn't terrible um but it was in fact it was it was better because they didn't hold the plot of that initial you know um, they had the flavor of the short and kind of the object of the short but they didn't have the actual plot of the short because it just wouldn't work there would be too much padding involved so uh let's go into our traditional would you recommend and why tad would you recommend create your killer and why
2: i would it kind of reminds me of the old vhs style board games that they had back in the 80s which were mostly terrible and incredibly cheesy this didn't feel cheesy this felt almost like a uh kind of like an homage to those old Newgrounds games that we played back in the early 2000s So uh, yeah, I thought it was very creative. It was a great, I don't know if this is not her first uh, foray into short films, I assume, because it's way too polished to be. I I don't, to be honest, I don't know if it's her
0: first, but I think it's her first uh, credited production. And it is very much a professional feeling production. Like I've watched, you know, we've watched release films that are, are, are definitely not uh, uh and no you're right she has actually produced quite a few i'm sorry Anya behind the eyes mimes uh and she has a uh, she's filming uh attack of the b film a tv series i don't know what her role in that is wow. but
2: uh yeah so she's got a just, career going so yep. this was um I, I even though of the four that we watched this was the one that stuck with me the least this is far as far as i'm concerned uh, i'm watching a, a real good jumping off point for someone's career mm-hmm. this was this was just solid all around even if, even if it didn't grip me, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's a, it's a short, great watch just to see like someone can really put something together with some real skill and it probably didn't even take that long for them to do it. I'm sure the special effects took way longer than the filming took, but I would would think
0: so. I mean, it's, it's fairly simple, but who knows what's on the cut? We never know. You know, we ourselves have filmed hours and hours and and toned it down to, you know, three minutes. So who knows? (laughs) Um, And uh, I'll give my recommendation to this as well. I I recommend it, especially it's got this like cabin in the woods vibe where it's like, it's a horror series. And there's a, there's a a little bit of violence that's well done, a throat slitting kind of thing. Um, Although the scene that precedes it, this weird fantasy, like love proclamation moment is, is a little, little disjointed, probably could have been pulled out. Um, Maybe that's something that wanted to be expanded in the future. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's got that violence and the humor. It's funny um and it's exciting and it's got a good uh good premise so give it a watch uh if you get the opportunity i don't think it's available for purchase yet but i'm sure uh it will be yours is is, uh, screenings at theaters things like that and keep a watch for sarah's full length of this when it comes out jeff would you recommend create your killer 2019
1: i would yeah it's short it has wit it has uh some some pretty cool effects and production and the animation at the end is delightful um which you know i'd be interested to see if she can do characters and narrative yeah i'm interested to see uh, that going forward all right well and of course sarah uh, you're welcome to come
0: on and talk about your project we'd love to hear it and so would our listeners so let's move on to the next one this is going to be divisive i I'm just going to straight up say, this is, this reminded me, this upcoming short reminded me of why I got into film journalism and film uh, critique, because it is, and film studies, it is, uh, it's batshit bonkers. I cannot, I cannot talk this up enough in, in ways that might confuse some people. Um, What we have here, and for those watching on video, remember our YouTube, Colton Classic Podcast, uh, it is McMurderer. Um and it is I was uh this is a Janice.click uh f- short film. Uh visit Janice.click, Janice period, click online to get a copy. There's only a few copies of the VHS le- VHS left. This is amazing. The VHS, I just have to go off on this product. They they did a knockout job. It has an old school rental uh sh- clamshell case, it has a bright yellow, professionally made uh, McMurderer VHS, legit, complete with warning. This video because that will melt if left in the car or sun. Um, it's from Dark Hollow Home Video, and uh, and it's got amazing cover art. Uh, but I think Beyond Weird I think did the cover art, and uh, it's amazing. And not only can you get the VHS, you can also get it on DVD. But if you're quick about it, you can get. Uh, I think Genesis.Click Click still has some of the Happy Meal variants. Uh, where you get the VHS in the case in a an unhappy meal happy meal container it's so friggin legit I cannot get over how cool this is um, it's amazing now let's get into the the plot of this so if no, listeners there is <laughs> listeners if you could have missed it um, if you have not seen a Janice.Click click short before um go to janice.click and uh many shorts are there it is an experience these are love letters to found vhs to this sort of um obscure videodrome style um, film making process with uh it, and again I, I don't actually know how uh, janice has produced this but it appears to be it has the great effect of things that are duplicated back and forth between vhs um because you get tons of tracking issues you get built-in grain uh it also looks real as opposed to uh, a, the example i usually pull when i talk to people is i talk about um Tarantino's Death Proof, you know, it's a love letter to Grindhouse, but it's a Tarantino film. It's not really a Grindhouse film. If you actually were to watch a Grindhouse film, it's going to feel different. And Tarantino does some of the visual cues, like um, the title card that jitters and uh, and occasional uh, scratch lines through the film, things like that. But they're artificial. They're very slick looking and they don't detract from the fact that it's a highly polished, highly funded product mcmurderer does not do that mcmurderer says if you want to experience what this is like what true grit cinema is we're going to give that to you by having insanely dilapidated footage i mean 480 uh, dpi is a dream at this point um it is and it's and it it feels like it's cut together you know with a good old-fashioned vhs swap or, or linked v- VCRs. Um, and there's just these really, really cool moments. I know I haven't said anything about the plot here. The plot, and this movie's about 15-ish minutes, I, I believe, 17, somewhere in there. Uh, the plot is is that there is uh, a, a man who is a clown who runs a chain of fast food restaurants that may or may not be McDonald's. Uh, they call him McClown. Uh, he is an alcoholic, though he denies it, and he's not well-liked while filming an insane rant of himself talking about how he's a motherfucking clown uh he's killed by being stabbed in the head by one of his employees now uh we jump forward to like five years in the future his son exists and misses his father so much that he eats at the restaurant every day we get a disturbing scene uh where he leaves his friend on the couch to uh there's no delicate way to put this masturbate over spilled fries in an alleyway and then wrap the whole parcel up and throw it in the trash well that creates the new McClown, essentially a a giant mutant yellow bodied creature that proceeds to kill its way to its son and then uh be happy raising its son i guess um there are lots of weird things in this already weird thing. There's an anti-abortion video in the middle, which is perhaps the most insane. It really feels like, I mean, it feels like the kind of anti-abortion video that that is actually gets made. Like it seems like people who are anti-abortion to the extent that they pick it and things, would think this is how it really is, right? Like somebody's dirty shower with tongs and you know the equivalent of a turkey baster um, and uh, and a can opener. Um, it's just it's nutso. so. And 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 he calls and McClown's son calls this uh, anti-abortion video a pornography film, uh, and then plays it and we see it's an anti-abortion. Movie. It's it's utter madness. Um, then this is we get to the end of course and where 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 new mcclown and son seem happy together and then we get credits where there's this awesome sort of like um, i right, just don't it sounds like well yeah so the credits themselves are, are credit such people as mike um, and then and then we get this like tag on end where the producers are like led by Janice.Click, or we referred to as the maker, uh, in, going into this cave in the woods to explain the McDonald's went after them. And then, uh, and then they hear something and they have to flee and that's the end of the video. Um, there's, there's so much more to this. Uh, there is, some of the characters speak in subtitles. There's no audio for them. They just have a subtitle on the screen and the character next to them will speak to them. Um, and many of the characters wear bizarre masks throughout the entire, just as their face. And what it reminded me of to my absolute joy was the disturbing 80s bizarreness of the indie game Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami was like this love letter to Cold War paranoia and uh, retro pixel art and um, synth new wave soundtrack. McMurderer pegs that and then takes like the video nasty era uh, uh and and the bootleg genre and just crams it in there together turns the blender on and then poured out whatever it had into a vhs case it's not so um we'll just go to this jeff i know you have thoughts on this
1: uh go i don't it. even know where to start man i, I mean this is just i mean I, i'm enjoying the fact that you are like so amped up about it <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm enjoying the fact that he actually explained the plot to me because uh, i didn't get that I got most of it. I think there was some some elements there that I may have missed, um, but it just was like I don't know. It was just it's just too like horrible and uh, <laughs> like I, I mean I understand that you're coming from this from like an art kind of angle, but it just was like it was just a mess uh, on a mess on a mess on a mess for it was just was just mess and then jizz um, on the mess yeah and then yeah just like half the I'm scenes like squeeze, people were like looking away from
2: the camera doing some sort of <laughs> i think was
0: the was the i think i sure. think that
2: was the intent is that haha it's mayonnaise but still the, the it, oh yeah it's always gross
0: I, I, but the thing is so yeah what, <laughs> what what always impresses me though about gender click shorts is the amount of effort that really goes into making it so legitimately degraded. Um, it's just not that easy, right? I mean, when we all have cell phones in our pockets that outdo the high def or, you know, the pre high def footage that was done with a $3,500, um, Panasonic, you know, a, a, a decade ago, it's, it's nuts to think that someone's actually, working with VHS or using some whatever methods there are that, that click is using to degrade this to the level. I mean, even the sub, the subtitles are burned in and degraded in the footage. Um, It's not, they're not placed on there fresh on the top. It's just, it's, I kind of find it magical. Um, I mean, there are, there were issues, right? Like there are times when the sound is just a little off. I didn't catch all the lines. Um, but as as was claimed uh, as was claimed of the the quote unquote porn film in this film, uh, it was found in, unmarked in a goodwill dumpster. This is what you imagine finding unmarked in a goodwill dumpster. This is what as a, as a dumpster, diver I wish I would find and I always think in my dreams I would find and I never do like this is the kind of thing that in 10 years if it's dropped off the face of the planet I'll be hard pressed not to make a bunch of unmarked beat up VHS duplicates and just donate them to Goodwills and Angel View resale places across the state because I want other people to know the feeling of getting this and putting it in a VCR and truly being horrified and amazed and enthralled by what's happening like it's it's just no there's no explanation that could make it, it it truly it blew my mind in a way that so many films try to do and they can't possibly accomplish because they won't go all the way uh, whereas Janet like really went all the way to make this a masterclass in how to damage your film um <laughs> tad what what was your expectation going in
2: and and what do you feel having seen it okay so i expected um sort of a parody of so if anyone has uh, have we talked about evil ronald on this podcast yet nathan so- so, so we haven't talked. So I
0: will, I will say this. So when I reached out to Janice.Click and said, um, I, because they posted a picture of the cover for McMurder. I don't even think they posted a picture. I think it was just a logo at the time. I can't remember. Um, although the cover, but like I said, is really great. It's a play on the um, Ronald McDonald uh, old VHS. I can't remember the name of, it, but it's it's great, like Ronald's Playhouse or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's super fantastic. Um, I. I was thinking like, oh my gosh, Tatumai's character, Evil Ronald McDonald. And so I reached out to Janice. So I clicked when I saw it and said, hey, can we get a review copy? Uh, we actually have like personal interest in Ronald McDonald related material. Uh, and they said, absolutely. And they sent it on over. So who
2: is Evil Ronald? So Evil Ronald is a complete fucking mistake that happened because i got a copy of smackdown shut your mouth back in around the time that this that um one of our the movies in this podcast was uh was created around 2002 2003 mm-hmm. um I, we played around with the character creator for hours on end and it was one of the greatest cre- character creators ever and still uh in in many video game circles the WWE games are known to have amazing character creators. We accidentally created an eight foot tall clown with a giant Afro and striped (laughs) basically spandex with, and we picked the creepiest moves we possibly could to accommodate this character. And it became just basically like an internal meme for our, for, or an inside joke for our group for, for quite a while. And I recently picked up a, 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 digital, totally not pirated copy of uh, SmackDown Shut Your Mouth so that I could recreate these characters. And, uh, and I actually sent a video of it to Nathan and uh, he got excited. But basically, it ended up being a character in our actual comic book series that we had back in the post high school days. That's and right. maybe and you guys that's- can find the character Jetty Punk and uh, several of his stories in the
0: Rearded zines, which you can pick up from our shop at cult and classic podcast.com support the
2: pod. They're cheap. They're great. So yeah. the, the best part about this is, it's a convergence. I can totally understand why this, this is this is why this is OG right here. This is a convergence of that combined with the convergence of my absolute failed fucking senior project zombie dance, which we have mentioned previously on this podcast, which is just exactly this. It's a borrowed VHS camcorder and uh, VHS duplication for editing and me deciding that it was a great idea. For instance, instead of getting actors, I need a cop. Why don't I actually go out and get a cop? Which turned out exactly what you would expect, cops in real life, most of the time, they don't have any acting skills. And therefore, uh, every scene that I tried to film was a complete disaster. But at the same time, my script was a complete disaster because I was in high school, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And it was it wasn't as dirty. That's the thing. This movie is filthy in every single way that I could have never conceived of in in high school when I have zero dollars and basically borrowed equipment. This is worse and yet better at the same time it's so hard to explain but my movie has no coherency if we could actually pull it out to this day it doesn't exist it's literally gone because it was before the days where we could have transferred it digitally but if we had it today and i put them side by side i would absolutely side with mcmurderer because it was somehow better than my fucking film
0: yeah so i guess i totally understand what you're saying jeff and i think Click does as well i think it's it's well acknowledge the bizarreness and the level of, ins- of insanity. That's, it's, you sort of have to be damaged to love this kind of thing, um, and but I do. And I mean, this film, it has, so it, when I explain it, it's going to sound vile. You know we've already had masturbation over french fries creating a creature um there's also the as i said the anti-abortion video um where we watch uh, someone who i'm fairly certain is um uh, someone who identifies as a very masculine male uh pretending to be a woman firing a plastic baby Uh, from between his legs into a dirty shower um, and then squeezing bottles of some sort of fake blood or barbecue sauce out. And then afterward, it seems like the doctor might give some sort of enema. I don't know if it's supposed to be feces or blood spraying out. I don't know. I didn't catch if there was any dialogue in that moment. Um, But it's just I mean, it sounds vulgar. And it is, but not in the way you think. It's not grotesque in the way that like, oh my gosh, that sounds disgusting. It's that the entire presentation is so, it's unclear what the joke is and who's in on it or not in on it. And that's what makes it so brilliant. Like we recently did an episode where we talked about 8mm and 1979's Hardcore where they have these footage of, of like, um, of snuff films. This is what I imagine if I were to find a real snuff film, the vibe, like it's, it's so, it's, it's bonkers. It couldn't be this bonkers in the room when it was being made. It couldn't, it only comes with multiple levels of degradation, reproduction. It's so far removed from reality that it's, it's mind blowing. Um, Check this out. And guys, McMurderer, Okay, you can find this potentially online. I, it will be taken down at some point, um, but I do think Janice Click had it online. But I urge you instead, if this sounds at all interesting, go to Janice the website and purchase a copy on whatever format you want. You can also check out Janice Click's other short films because it's—I don't know how to describe it. I, I, there's nothing else like it in my library. It's this the kind is, of thing that I is. look for. And I, and I
2: so rarely find. And I'm super happy to have this. And shout out to Janice Stockley. I know how to describe this, Nathan. This is a work of art. And by a work of art, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't know if it's bad or good. It just is. Fair. And therefore, it, it's, it's art. In some ways, it reminded
0: me of the,
2: uh, bi- the
0: video installations that I'd go to at the galleries, you know, that were real popular in the early 2000s, right? You know, you'd have like a big ceramic egg the size of a a 400 pound man and then above it you'd have a video monitor playing people frying eggs and flipping them you know in a pan like that's sort of in just bizarre insanity where you just look at it and you're like i'm supposed to get something here i'm gonna keep looking until i do um
2: it's like the snob film festival remember we we submitted to the snob film festival and um the, the one movie that was about the woman just in her apartment talking on the cell phone or just talking to herself. I can't even remember clearly. I, but, that is the only thing I remember from that, but yes. But at the, at the end of it, all I can think of is in that instance, I go clearly, I, I, there's, there's, there's clearly a thought process here that someone just didn't have the resources to flesh out properly which I can kind of, that's what I was kind of talking about with zombie dance. We just didn't have the resource nor the skills to flesh that idea out. This is one of those things where I feel like they not only fleshed out the idea, they finished it and went, there's no way we could have done this better. <laughs> Absolute magnificence. It's perfect. Print it. That's the if, feeling I
0: get from this. If, release, if click releases a feature length film and puts in the amount of heart and just, and, and, Clearly, innate sensibility uh, that they have into it, I will champion it to the ends of the earth. I would
2: do. You try to make
1: if you make me watch that, I will kill you. <laughs> I, will, I will watch Christ for, for him. This is just like, so, <laughs> so,
0: let's go. Like, let's 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 jump to the recommendations here. Jeff, would you
1: recommend McMurderer? And if so, why? No, <laughs> no, of course not. It's horrible. You're not going to enjoy it. I don't know what the fuck Nathan's talking about. <laughs> I don't know what universe <laughs> he's living in right now. <laughs> we, we we clearly do not align on this one, <laughs> but I'm very much enjoying listening to him describe his
0: point of view. <laughs> I really I really do love this film. There's I will just say this, that the opening where um, the worker is trying to get into, I guess, the office or whatever to set up, and he's like, the boss is in there filming something, but, this is before he breaks in and kills him for whatever reason. Um, McClown is green screened in front of a vintage McDonald's, and most of him is not visible at all times. Um, the vast majority of him is not visible. It's a it's a poorly lit Zoom call, is what it looks like. <laughs> and and um, but it's somehow it worked for me. I mean, as he just shouts into the camera that that he's a motherfucking clown, his <laughs> grandfather was an immigrant, like it's just it just, I mean, I was sold. I didn't under, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I really didn't, and and I by the end, I was like, this can't be over. And then there's the after credit scene. Like, yes, yes, this is the meta moment that it needed. And also the little touches. I will just sh- throw this out there. Obviously, it's a recommend for me. I recommend this movie. Y- people need to see this movie to understand what true underground cinema can mean, because. A lot of times I get people, especially back in the day, um, I mean, this way back in the day, like when I worked at Hot Topic, you know, people would come in um, and they would get a copy of Donnie Darko and we had DVDs, which uh, I, nothing against it. Donnie Darko is a very interesting film. I enjoyed it very much. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that. But they would, it was just their first taste of cinema that didn't hit theaters, it wasn't the true cult thing that they were thinking it was um it's just the the tip of the iceberg they had not taken the blue pill you know this is when you get into it like there's i mean and when you own something like this that you actually enjoy or appreciate even if you didn't enjoy it this is like ephemera that 30 years from now will be completely obliterated from existence and you will have this and somebody down the road after you die will find this. And it will be that, that cult heirloom, that bizarre piece of, of antiquity that is carried on because it's so unusual and so unique and so outside of the realm of normalcy. Um, I just want to throw in there that there are moments like at the end when the producers are being led by the filmmaker to the cave, that their responses are again, just subtitles, but there's also like the cry of an infant occasionally Like there are these little sounds and sound effects that are put in throughout this. It's like, it's, it's the amount of energy spent on putting in disconcerting, unnerving sounds and visuals that William freaking did in the exorcist. Like it's that it's just, you don't even, at a certain point, you can't even consciously process it all because there's so much, so many things you're trying to make out. Um, but that's my spiel on this Tad, would you recommend McMurderer? And if so, why?
2: 11 out of 10 would recommend every time this is this is this is (laughs) yeah this is those of you most of us who only listen to this i just
0: need you to know how hard jeff is rubbing his eyes right now um i i might be interviewing for a new colton classic reviewer Uh, i think jeff (laughs) might block my number at this point um but yeah no i i this is, this is a fantastically interesting one and I'm glad we included it. And thank you so much, Janice Janice.click and check the notes of this episode. We'll have links to, uh, uh, Janice Instagram and, and website and so forth. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to tackle our next two final two shorts for this episode. Hey, Colton Classic crew, friends and fiends of the pod, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Nate, I don't have any money, and if I did, I'd be spending it on cool things like buttons and custom trading cards and zines that are unique and made each week by the Cult and Classic podcast family, and guess what? You can do both of those things at once. You can support cultandclassicpodcast.com and get awesome swag like buttons and custom trading cards that are printed on actual trading card stock by actual trading card printers and autographed by the artist and also zines like classic issues of rearted with comics and illustrations and interviews as well as brand new cult and classic podcast family publications that uh, are brand new so you'll get them first in line these are awesome awesome things that you can get just by joining our patreon at patreon.com slash cult and classic podcast for as little as a dollar a month you can get videos of our episodes you can see all our lovely shining faces as well as exclusive content like uh, extra episodes film reviews book reviews and things like commentary by us on our short films which you'll also be able to see if you want to pay a little more five dollars a month per se us then you get an awesome autographed custom trading card these are official printed uh, at the same place that prints Every other trading card you've ever bought, and they're autographed by the artist. These are exclusively for Colton Classic Podcast and inspired by our episodes. They, you can't get them anywhere else except through us. Only $5 a month, you get it shipped right to you. Shipping is free. If you pay $10 a month, if you are a true drinker of the Kool Aid for ColtonClassicPodcast.com, then you will get uh, the trading card, access to all of the content that is exclusive to Patreon members. And you will get a brand new zine every month, whether it's a classic uh, copy of Rearded zine uh, with interviews, comics, art, all sorts of cool stuff, or brand new and Classic Podcast family publications. Those will get sent straight to your door. Plus, there's usually extras like pins, stickers, all sorts of cool stuff. So you're doing two great things. You are spending money on awesome swag And you are supporting Colton Classic Podcast. I know it's tough right now in the pandemic. If you can do it, join us at Colton Classic Podcast Patreon. If you can't, why don't you recommend it to a friend? We all have those rich friends, and uh, they can spread it around a little more. I'm just going to say it. All right? Thank you so much. And uh, as always, Colton Classic Podcast loves you. And we are back. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners, as well as all of our cast members here on Colton Classic Podcast for sticking with us through all of these fascinating, fascinating creations that mankind has tossed into the visual media well. Uh, Up next is, this is the most technically impressive film uh, of our selection of four this week. And uh, it's one that I am baffled as to how I did not hear about it when it came out originally in 2016. This is Fanorama, the Futurama fan film. It is a live-action episode of Futurama, kind of. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, It is part human uh, actor, part uh it appears 3d augmented actor part practical effects so things like uh, if you're familiar at all with the show Futurama, you trauma you know what i'm talking about here but just for people that aren't the plot is is there's kind of a joe schmo likable nobody who gets frozen cryogenically accidentally and woken up like uh, uh in the year 3000 or something along those lines uh and he ends up becoming a delivery boy with uh an alcoholic robot named bender and leela a, a beautiful kick-ass uh cyclops uh his great 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 grandnephew who is of course an old man uh professor farnsworth and a a crab creature um, named dr zoidberg who is like a, a take on like old jewish comedians of yesteryear and um hermes their their bureaucrat manager uh who is uh, like a, a limbo champion jamaican. jamaican yes and then uh and oh and then there's a couple of side characters like uh the the uh, captain kirk spoof who the sexually active uh mentally immoral and idiot um zap branigan Anywho's. There's, there's a lot of characters in here, and there's a lot of nods and a lot of uh, jokes that fans of the series will get in this. I want to say right off the bat,
2: tec-
0: technically super impressive. Bender is picture perfect. I mean, his mouth movements, his eye movements, the way he looks, his finger movements... Um, uh, brilliant and similarly dr zoidberg i think is better than brilliant he's actually like they did just enough like new detail to make him like a realistic creature effect um but still have the overall appearance of the uh simplified cartoon character and then we have um uh, oh amy amy tan as well the the asian uh assistant Um, she's a good cast in this. She's, I felt very close. Everyone is a pretty good cast in this. I will, I will say that Leela's character is highly problematic for me. And we'll get into that. Um, because I am a fan of the show, but I thought this was really interesting. The thing that people have to know about this is it's 30 minutes long little longer than a typical episode but not really it hits about the 17 minute mark and then it gets zap branigan coming in and giving a monologue as to how the episode will not end uh, as planned because uh, it is unauthorized there's no budget and there's no talent or something along those lines Um, And then it's 15 minutes of Hypnotoad, which for fans of the show is literally a TV show where a species of toad that has hypnotic eyes hypnotizes viewers for however long it goes on. It was clever. Um, I will also say the Hypnotoad is literally my favorite part because it's perfect. It is a toad with hypnotic eyes and it moves just slightly and the camera pans in and out incredibly slowly. So if you click forward, you'll see that it is moving. Fascinating, well done. 15 minutes is a long time, but I did sit through it. So <clears throat> there is a plot. It isn't resolved. Um, they're taking like a doomsday device uh, along with a crate of giraffes um, to some planet for some reason and pirates uh, attack them and it ends. There's, that's where it ends. Zoidberg is supposed to go save them. I'm not sure what the intent was for this. Um, let's go to Jeff. Jeff, what were you expecting going in and uh, how do you feel now that you've seen it?
1: I mean, I'm starting to get impressed by these fan films. I mean, like, the production value is insane. Like, like there's a ton. I mean, it wasn't just like, you mentioned like five different costumes and like effects that they did that were really good. But they had like this commercial where there was like 10 people in fantastic costumes on like a fantastic set. Uh, It was like, it's like, what am I watching? This is like better than some TV shows I've seen. It was just like, What? these people are insanely talented at least in the you know costume making and set design and so i'm wondering if some of them actually work in that part of the industry and um this is just kind of something that they bring home i didn't really look up anybody's credit so i don't know maybe nate has some yeah well that's so that's interesting to touch on so everyone in here is working to
0: some extent dan lanigan is the director um and uh the writer along with andy klimzak and um and cody frederick and dan Lanigan, along with i don't know if katie is his wife or but some other relation um they're producers traditionally and they produce a lot of stuff uh hence probably where they had the the ability to get the funds for this um but it's clearly a love letter to futurama and it is clear that everyone involved is trained and works in this area um the special effects are truly top-notch it's the kind of thing where um I mean, no other, it's a short film, like you said, that really blows you away because the Orville does not have the design work on average that this does. And that's not knocking the Orville. I love Seth MacFarlane. just saying that this was truly a spectacle. Um, I do think myself that the spectacle overwhelms any possibility of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a little bit of a missed opportunity because I would actually much have preferred this to be a 15 minute story than... A 15 minute setup with no conclusion and it does seem like a missed opportunity because it's hard to sell it as a possibility when there's no real payoff there are some jokes and some of them are pretty funny most of them hinge on being references to the show's previous existence already um if you got in you know and Maxton Graham, if you got any other, if you got in writers from the actual Futurama series, I'd be fascinated to see what was happened. Here's the other question that everybody's going to be asking right now. How are the voices? Well, I'd say most of the voices are pretty good, but there are some that are not. So uh, there's a reason some are really good. Um, uh, so Victor Yerid is, is Bender. Um, he's also, he's Hop in the Dark Crystal uh, Resistance series. Um, Andy Klimczak uh, also, uh, but one of the writers uh, was Zoidberg. Did quite well. I thought Marshall Porter uh, did well as Hermes. Olivia Yang did decent enough. Rich Little kind of killed it as Richard Nixon. Um, Richard Nixon's head has a little monologue in here, and uh, and I mean, he, I'm a huge Nixon fan. I probably mentioned it on the podcast before. Not a fan of him as a president, but a fan of the story and the fall and all of the ins and outs of his presidency. There was lots of it. The one that's a real big miss for me. And again, guys, I'm going to say this because it sucks to single somebody out, especially in sort of a labor of love like this. Um, when you say someone's not good for this role, it doesn't mean they're not a good actor or they're not skilled. But you can still be not good for the role, okay? And what I'm going to say is, is that Katie Lanigan is not a good Leela. Um, I think she doesn't sound like Leela, She doesn't act uh, as smoothly as the others. Uh, It's very much a, um, it feels like someone who hasn't acted a huge amount on film doing an okay job, which is commendable. Um, But Leela in the series is a very strong character who's no nonsense, but also sometimes nonsense when it benefits her. She's a realist and it's, it's nice. She doesn't have that in this. Also from a design standpoint, at first glance, Um, her being a cyclops with a big 3D eye on her face is quite impressive. And in some ways it is impressive. However, it is in zero ways emotive, which is a big problem because in the animated Futurama show, they can be very emotive with her eye because she essentially has the same eyebrow line that everyone else does. It just goes into one eye instead of over two eyes. But that doesn't happen here. We get a very thin eyebrow line that really doesn't move um you just have then eyelid for expression which is not an effective way to do it it makes it very difficult to read she just seems sort of pissy the entire episode um it really didn't do it for me and the voice again uh you know you can't beat uh the original voice of leela i mean all the way from um uh why am I blanking on the show uh, that Married she with was children? in? Huh? Married with Married children. With children. Hmm? Katie Seagal. Yes, that's right. Katie Seagal is amazing. Uh, and Married with Children, she was amazing um, and beautiful. And you just, you really need a standout in that position. Um, her costuming is fine. Everybody's costuming is quite good. It's, it's really down to, you know, exact specifics there's a couple of weird moments um it's hard not to imagine with the amount of bits and pieces of new stuff put in there like Jeff said the commercial um that there wasn't some distant hope that maybe we're gonna make this and maybe somebody at Fox will see it and be so or Comedy Central Viacom will be so blown away that they'll order us they'll bring us in to do it um and that's sort of that sort of feels like the vibe with like the half story and stuff and all these little extra things like fry at one point like gets a a lay eggs in me sticker put on his back by like a tentacle reaching out of a of a crate and like then fist bumps the tentacle or whatever high fives it like it's it's new stuff that feels like it was trying to promise this is what we can bring to the show instead of let's make a short film that really just is so much a love letter to the show that everyone who watches the show is going to enjoy it the whole time and be invested and satisfied at the end. Um, Tad, I didn't really ask you, what were you expecting going in and what's your takeaway?
2: I expected trash garbage because um, I am probably one of the biggest Futurama fans you will know. My family and I speak this show as a second language and i'm going to send this to my family and i'm going to tell them they need to watch it because um it's funny you say that it's a love letter nathan i considered this more like the revenge porn for futurama this is like people (laughs) who loved futurama and were so disgusted by how terrible six and seven were written that they went we can do better because i did so myself i actually wrote an entire script for an episode one time because i was so pissed at how badly the show had fallen so quickly. We should do a table read. Oh, uh, do a table read if of. I still have it, that's the thing. It was called um, FixMyRobot.com. Fix my it's basically a parody of FixMyPC.com where basically Bender just gets injected with malware. That sounds great. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so the point being is that this this to me felt like they went, we can do better. And we they didn't necessarily felt feel like they were going to get it picked up. They just wanted to show um, the writer, the, like, you know, the, the, the cast that did six and seven, it's like, this is what you weren't doing because the, the last two seasons of Futurama were garbage. I watched them because I was a fan and at the end of it, it left a bad taste in my mouth and made me wish that that they had just kept it canceled so that I could have better memories of it. But you know what? That happens to a lot of stuff. Let's face it. It runs too long. It runs out of ideas and it peters out instead of goes out on a high note like the original uh, run did. The original run left on a high note. It was disappointing, but at least you had the great memory of going, that was solid writing all the way from start to finish and it never really got Simpsoned because The Simpsons just keeps going and is never good anymore because let's face it, it hasn't been good for over 20 years i will disagree with you on that i think that oh. it has peaks and valleys of course it will never capture season four or five uh no. but i'm gonna disagree with you on that front i mean there's even shit in season eight nine and ten that's good and <clears throat> decent and still feels really? classic and then just gets bad i just anyway. dis- i'm gonna i again it will disagree i do think that I, here's
0: the thing i also will disagree that all of six and seven for futurama were bad I will say that the biggest problem for me with Futurama 67 was it got a little too, um, almost, almost nihilistic, the characters, because part yeah. of Futurama is that they really, they're really deep uh, emotional story arcs at some point, too emotional, frankly. They yeah. went a little farther than, some things aren't happy. Um, Simpsons is great because things typically end fairly happy, one way or the other. Even if things aren't fixed, there's some revelation that things are are better in some way for the character. Dune Shuma doesn't always have that. Um, it's I'm devastated forever by Fry's dog. Uh, it's just I'm forever
2: devastated. It's unwatchable um, for some people. Yeah, like, including me. I can't go back and watch that. It's brutal.
0: That it's brutal. It just it's it it. They did it on purpose to hurt me. Um, <laughs> and so so anyway, I get that. I I would say. I'm not trying to diss it, I enjoyed Panorama, but I actually found it disappointing because the special effects were the only thing that really nailed it for me. Um, I, I do think that uh, as Fry, um, the the lead actor did an okay job. He didn't sound like Fry, but he really tried to hit the vocal cadence. Um, and, uh, and it's Cody Frederick, and Cody Frederick also plays the professor. It's interesting choice to have Professor Farnsworth be a practical effect instead of a person um, because sure. of course he's a human in the show um, but I mean he looks
2: like it just I don't know what would do that to a person but hey it was so freaky like yeah. the practical effects were fantastic especially the the fact that they even got the little Zoidberg thing where his mouth did the his mouth moves <laughs> his tentacles move it's, it's beautiful that was
0: that was my hands down the coolest little thing absolutely um, yeah so I, I enjoyed this I just, I, I feel like with all of this effort and energy, I wish that the script were stronger. Um, that isn't to say it's bad, but it reads as fan fiction for me. Um, or not even fan fiction. Like you suggested that
2: it reads as a spec script from someone who doesn't have punch up writers. It's like uh, a, it's like if Jeff was handed a couple million dollars to rewrite something and then went through with it and got it produced. Because I think that was a read, I, Jeff. I would, I would love to see the Jeff episode you. of Futurama. Um, (laughs) you're on mute, Jeff, but yeah, I, I, uh,
0: so, so anyway, um, let's move on to recommendations because I I really think if you're a Futurama fan, I I don't know why you're not watching this because it is on YouTube for free. Um, and the practical effects, seeing these characters brought to life with the exception of my difficulty seeing Leela on the same level as the other characters that were portrayed. I mean, it's, it's impressive. Like it does look almost like the, it's, 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 it's like, um, a cross between Amazon's iteration of the Tick and the uh, and the first live action Tick compared to the cartoon, like it's it's somewhere between that, a little more realistic, but not quite to full realism, um, and it's unnerving to see the characters that way. <laughs> um, but it's fun, and I do think most people in this really really tried to be um, like the characters from the show. Um, Vic Mignogna does. Uh, i'm sorry Vic, if i mispronounced name does zap branigan and the look is perfect the costume is perfect the
2: cadence is perfect for me the voice was not perfect it was um, very jarring it was like he's got it except where it needed to be because you can't do billy west you just yes can't.
0: billy west is of course an iconic amazing voice actor that's really important um I think people might know Vic Monina from uh, the Star Trek Continues fan series, um, or 2013. Uh, the it's it's a very interesting, interesting series, uh, and he plays Kirk, and I think he does a pretty good job uh, in some ways for a fan film. Again, that's it's one of those standout series. I want to talk about before we go on to to recommendations. I guess I want to talk about what Dan Lanigan has gone on to do um because it, it's it's about dan lanigan has directed several episodes of uh mystery science theater the return for netflix um that is of course the mystery science theater i don't know if you'd call it a reboot i'm not really sure what you'd call it i'm a huge mystery science theater fan i fully support it i will say that i have not fully delved into the return I, i'm still living my Rift tracks life um and and i I will never get tired of watching uh the sci-fi channel, especially Era, the Mike uh on camera, um, Mr. Science Theater, although Joel's great too, getting off topic. And of course, guys, listen if you're Mr. Science Theater and Rift Rex fans too, our incredible episode where we had uh Mary Joe Peel and Bridget Nelson on. It's it's utter fantasticness. And it is on YouTube as well. But anyway. He's, he's got some great stuff. Um, he He's working on Mr. Science Theater, The Return, and he's got other things. So I think it paid off. Obviously, he was in the industry before this happened, but I think that this really sort of cemented where he wanted to be in the industry and in the genre that he wanted to be in. So, Jeff, would you recommend Futurama's
1: uh, fan film, Fanorama, and if so, why? Um, I would, but this is kind of a weird one. It, it really is... Uh... Just fantastically beautiful. There's just so many things to look at. It's a spectacle. Planet Express um, looks amazing. Yeah, ship. Yeah, like they they do so many amazing things. Like I I really would like to see this like group of people make some more stuff mm-hmm. just to see like what they can they can do when they're like flexing some muscles and doing some um, some effects. But I, Nate's right in the fact that it it ends before they finish their, their, the narrative that they even started in, in this um, uh, short film. Um, You know, the jokes are good, but not maybe as good as they are on the show. So, you know, again, uh, I wouldn't watch the 15 minutes of Hypnotoad, watch the 15 minutes that's actually there. Enjoy the spectacle of it. Get in, get out, have a good time. Um, it's a short. Um, Yeah,
0: I think that's fair. That's going to be similar to my recommendation. This is really a tech demo. Uh, In the gaming industry uh, or in the computer industry, you know what a tech demo is. It's something um, uh, game makers put together or or, uh, hardware workers, software workers put together to show off the incredible things that can be done with their product. That's what this is. Um, It really is a thing saying, hey, look at what we can do. Uh, And it's, got to be brilliant for everyone who worked on its resume um uh even katie lanigan i mean it's i don't think she's leela but she's not terrible um she's just a different character to me uh and i think in that way it's a fantastic success would i recommend it to fans absolutely if you're not a fan or you're not familiar with futurama i mean maybe look at screenshots if you're if you're into practical special effects Yes, go into it. It's, it's inspiring. Um, but if you're a fan of Futurama, absolutely give it a watch. Just watch the first 15 minutes and maybe a minute of Hypnotoad uh, to, to get the vibe and um, write your own ending. This is a fanfic situation. I mean, I, to me, I really do want the ending. The, the first 15 minutes is all set up. Um, and hey, Lanigans, if there is a complete script for the full feature, release it. We'd love to see it. Absolutely. Um, I think everyone would. But if you're a fan, there's no reason not to see it. It's 15 minutes of your time and it's on YouTube for free and it's HD quality. It's really stunning. It's amazing to see what these characters can look like in real life. Really done. So check it out. Tad, would you recommend Panorama, And if so, why?
2: Fucking absolutely. I also, like you, was very uh, disappointed to find that I didn't know this existed until literally a week ago. And <laughs> this is um, this is for Futurama fans, for sure. This is, this is one of those things, like if you're not a fan of the show, there's no actual reason to watch this because it, it makes a lot of self, self-referential stuff and actually does recycle a few things. You know, there's a few lines where I'm like, okay, they just lifted that out of an episode and they couldn't think of anything better to write. But it's not the worst. It's pulled off very well. Um, and this is, this is definitely... Um, the almost the hard R version of Futurama because there's alien titties and Zapp Brannigan literally has his dick out in this. It's like they really went all the way, and I was very I mean, impressed. It's not hard R because they're blurred, but no, I see almost. what you're saying. It's, yeah, it's um, it's more,
0: it's more of the DVD released films before Comedy Central picked up
2: Futurama. If you remember those, of course, yeah. Bender's Big Score and that. This is worked. better than all of them. They went a little farther. I don't. This think is so. better than all the. Give, give me a break. This is better than six, seven, and the Futurama films. Let's face it. I'd rather watch this over and over again than watch those movies again. Well, you're allowed. It's on YouTube. For the rest <laughs> of us, we'll pay for Hulu. Um.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, I think it's totally worth watching. Um. That brings us to our final film of today, which is actually this is a personal favorite, and we'll get into why. Uh, aside from the fact that I enjoy it, uh, this is uh, Robot Bastard from 2002 that's robot bastard with an exclamation point and yes that is a line in the show this is so this is we have a low def version of this it is available on youtube i desperately want a high quality transfer of this of this short film it's about 15 minutes long everyone's nodding their head i think we're all in agreement on this this is another visual spectacle and it is Super cool. And of course it's super cool because it's directed and written and the props are made primarily by Rob Shrab. Rob Shrab is not a common household name in the the comic or the film industry, which is a or the TV industry, which is a brutal shame because he's been here for a long time and he's incredible at what he does. And he has been a personal inspiration to me, especially in my comics work since uh i was a young depressed kid living in rural wisconsin with nothing to do and no one to talk to because he created the independent comic scud the disposable assassin scud the disposable assassin has like so many of his awesome um uh unique funny cool edgy ideas um just as an example uh he had the phrases in scud um things like um surreality just got funky and um uh and one of his uh trade paperback collections of scud was called a solid gold bomb because scud is gold colored he loves robots violence comedy shtick um 50s style robots but off kilter just a little weird a little wild everything is smooth it's like it's like you took um a 50s like a turnkey robot toy and put Kanye sunglasses on it. Like, it's just cool. Everything is cool. Um, And, uh, and I'm sorry for that Kanye reference, Kanye, you're not cool, Um, but uh, there are plenty of other people who are cool. It's, it's just, it's amazing. Um, The plot is this, there is the robot who is sort of like a uh, government agent, who is only released when he's needed for a mission. And he is reached out to by somebody in the government to rescue the president's daughter who has been kidnapped by Blood Mamba. Uh, so uh, Robot has to go to the spa- Blood Mamba space station and um, get to the center of it, fighting through uh, hordes of uh, mummies, they call them, which are these slick, rubbery black creatures with sharp teeth that attack and occasionally have laser guns of some, or some kind of gun uh and and he gets to the center of the ship uh and here's a spoiler alert it's i don't care if you know every line of this movie and every beat watch the movie it's so worth it to me Uh, but the end he gets there he defeats black mamba who turns out to be a robot himself and then finds out that the president's daughter is actually black mamba spoiler alert uh robot bastard lives albeit not entirely in one piece and uh and it's just what makes this so wild is One, Rob Schraub's directing is amazing. The fact that he hasn't been given directing every day uh, of his life, like people pounding on his door, is shocking because the light to dark, the um, glowing eyes in the darkness, it's like like a Frank Miller frame in bold Technicolor all the time. Um, And he's aware of movement in a scene Uh, a lot of times when people who do sequential art comic books things like that or illustration when they're given a directing task in film or animation it's hard for them to break free from that still static window concept where you're one step then the next step then the next step you know you see one action and then another action he doesn't have that problem things happen all the time he knows what to focus on Um, the camera flips in really cool ways but it's never overpowering it just i absolutely love it um it's a lot of fun his robot bastard has quips and the quips are funny but they're like intentionally schlocky they're <laughs> never like brand new they're always feel like they've been used before um like i'm too old for this shit like that kind of thing but it's funny watching it out of a big cardboard but well made orange robot with glowing eyes the guns that come out of his wrist which is the coolest stop motion effect ever um yeah so let's just i'll give it to you guys jeff what was your expectation going in and how do you feel now that you've seen robot bastard
1: well like everything i have no expectations uh you know and uh i I, you know gone on a little bit of a roller coaster from hate to you know mild amusement to now absolute love um i mean I right from them. the credits I, I, i'm telling you so i'm like watching the credits and then jeff davis's name comes up and i'm like oh is that the jeff davis because you know it's jeff and davis those are common names like could be anybody mm-hmm. um and like so i was just like i sit in there and it is it's mm-hmm. so uh jeff b davis who's worked with like dan Harmon and a lot of stuff uh he's on like whose line is it anyways is like a, the fourth chair every once in a while yep. i freaking love his voice like i just it's, like it's he, awesome he has just the greatest voice um and he's a really funny guy uh he obviously does like a lot of improv and stuff um you should check him out you know now he's doing uh, Harmon quest with uh, dan Harmon um on vvr i think it is um but he's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic um so I was like, I, I just like from that, I was like, I was like excited. I was like, oh, I hope it's him. Like, I hope it's like he's in this weird short thing. Um, but then I was just taken by the the style and the um, the kind of the um, you know this robot and like like Nate was saying this like stop motion of like him taking these guns and like upgrading his guns. Um, stop motion effect. It was just like unbelievably. Um, like beautiful, like it just, um, it was smooth and like you you transition from this like you know the uh, uh you know the big cardboard robot to what's very clearly like you know a stop motion scene, but like it somehow just blends so perfectly, um, and the effect is so good that um, it just kind of like enhances uh, um, the uh, the action. Um, and uh, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I just love this film. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say. Cause I'm just, I'm like, so like enamored with, with, with the, the piece of art. And this uh, is how
0: I reel you back in Jeff, because yeah. I agree with you. This is absolutely stunning. And this is one of those things. Every time I get into a, a discussion with someone about Rob Schrab and his work, which is often, and I probably have irritated many people at CVSs across the country is Rob Schrab is fucking good at what he does. He's brilliant, he's funny, and he has that, that it, that eye that really makes things work. Um, for example, something else Rob Schrab did is Rob Shrab, along with Dan Harmon, because they do work together. In fact, Rob Shrab, if you've seen his name recently, it's probably as a producer on Rick and Morty. Uh, he He, with Dan Harmon wrote, um, a really cool pilot TV show called Heat Vision and Jack. This is like famous in cult underground TV pilot world. And for absolute good reason, it stars, uh, a, it's an astronaut who's got special powers and he's on the run with his talking motorcycle okay it is amazing what it makes it more amazing it was directed by ben stiller starring jack black and owen wilson this is like the most amazing before they made it huge i mean ben stiller was pretty big at the time but it's it's one of those things where you see that and you're like what how did and it's good it's really good um and it's like how did this not happen uh rob Schrab wrote, um the 2006 animated film Monster House with Dan Harmon. A fucking great movie. Um, he did, uh, he was head writer for the Sarah Silverman show. Uh, I don't know why I pronounced that so weird, but I'm a big Sarah Silverman fan. So uh, it's, it's, the Sarah Silverman program is just a fantastic show. Um, I also, you know, it, it should come as no surprise that I love, Rob Shrab because he also uh, directed several episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 Return and worked as a contributing writer uh, on the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians episode of the original run of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, Why do these things all tie together? Uh, Wisconsin. When I was in Wisconsin is when Rob Shrab was in Wisconsin. Uh, I didn't even know that at the time until later. I think he might've even been in the improv group with a lot of comedians in the area of the Dead Alewives. Um, But who else was in Wisconsin at the time? Mystery Science Theater. Uh, That's why Joel Hodgson, creator of Mystery Science Theater, and of course, Joel, from the majority of Mystery Science Theater seasons, uh, was a contributing consultant on the robot designs for Robot Bastard. Uh, It's also why Dan Harmon is there, and Dan Harmon was script supervisor for Robot Bastard. These things all tie together and for good reason people who are good at what they do and have similar aesthetics tend to clump together. Hence the people on this podcast. Um, and it's just, it's amazing when they get together. And it's really cool to see something like this, where so many incredibly talented people are involved. Uh, and also it's sort of like you discover it because robot bastard is not super well-known. Um, it came out kind of before the popularity of YouTube. It was first of, first saw it on rob schrapp's website which i don't think is even there anymore um and unfortunately it seems like this might actually be the same quality transfer um, and this also is available on on youtube but i want this um rob schrapp also did a, a little show called twigger's holiday which i have a dvd of somewhere it was never officially released to my knowledge it needs to be released scud the disposable assassin thank God, did get a hardcover beautiful complete edition uh, which I urge everyone to go get. It's, it's wild. It's real wild. Um, yeah, so Jeff, I, I covered what you thought. Tad, what did you expect going into Robot Bastard and uh, what's your takeaway? You
2: know, uh, I went by the title on this for once and I actually kind of sort of got exactly what I expected. I I, I guess I expected... The only thing that I guess um, didn't happen was with a title like Robot Bastard, I expected the main character to be a bastard. But in reality, he's cool as shit. And it reminded me... There are, there are a couple things. For one, the aesthetics of 2002, this actually feels more like an early 90s thing. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it... Very much. An, like almost like an MTV short that was lost that I never knew about. But um, the logo that's on the poster that we have right behind us so much reminds me of uh like the aesthetics of batman the animated series and those logos Mm -hmm. because it, it it felt like that similar era like 1994 1995 and it had that that writing feel of like paul denis and all that so but it also reminded me of and i'm glad you you confirmed it because i distinctly remember when we started uh being friends back in around this period of time like 98 99 we uh, you you had introduced me to Scud the Disposable Assassin, and uh, I I you had a copy back then, right? I
0: did. I had I had everything that it, that it hadn't been finished at that time. I don't think he he took a giant hiatus in the middle, but yeah.
2: Okay, because I I think you had me read some of it, and I distinctly remember, uh, funny enough, the antagonist at the time was named Jeff. Yes, he was. She was actually. Yeah, it, she, it was a she, she with. <laughs> fucking what was it um she has mouths mouse on her knees her?
0: Mouse traps on for her hands uh tentacles it's and, and it has a squid strapped to her chest that's part of her it's wild i'm telling you guys like pick up a cop go find scud the disposable assassin there's a couple of old trade paperbacks there's of course out of print um single issues and then there's the complete edition i think there's also a soft cover uh complete edition that's out there it's it's absolutely worth it it is everything you could possibly want um Including questionable sexuality, uh, just everything is brilliant in this. Um, I also so just quick while we're talking about the cast because it really is um, uh, just voiceovers, tons of extras playing the mummies, um, and and as as Tad said, Jeff uh, Brian Davis uh, as as the villain, and then Robia Scott is Catherine, who's the um, uh, the president's daughter, aka Black Mamba, and. It, she is usually credited in in her works as uh, Rubia La Morte. Um, she has an interesting history. She's a dancer, and she danced for Prince uh, on on, on uh, Diamond and Pearls tour. Is on a cover of that, uh, and is also um, been in music videos. She's also she's uh, got a very tiny part in the original Spawn movie. Uh, she's the reporter on the scene, and I think she's a reporter on the scene. But uh, she's one of the reporters. Uh, if if that's not the case, it's been too long to rewatch. Um, and just the, the talent in this little thing is just really great. And we actually have very, if anybody has seen, which people have the Sarah Silverman program, the episode where she takes cough syrup and goes on a little crazy dream trip before waking up with her car parked in a playground sandbox, um, uh, relatable, uh, that dream sequence is heavily done by Rob Shrab, And it was clear. I didn't, I only knew Rob Shrab worked on that show because I love Sarah Silverman. I was watching the show. I wasn't sticking around for the credits, but I saw that segment and was like, holy shit, Rob Shrab did that. There's nobody else that did that uh, or that would do it that way. And sure enough, he did. And he's great. And um, I think Sarah Silverman said that she, she wrote the, I believe the introduction to scud the disposable assassin's complete collection and i think she said i only knew him as the guy who farted in the writer's room all the time and (laughs) uh i don't know if that's true or not but um i it it would be a pleasure to be in that room as weird as that sounds because rob shrab is is a legend an unsung legend uh yeah so let's move on to recommendations i think this is gonna be an easy one tad would you recommend robot bastard and if so to who
2: Absolutely. I think this is just a mandatory watch for people who are millennials who grew up with, uh, with that, that, uh, that kind of 90, like the early 90s, but the 2000s aesthetic. It's kind of like, almost like watching a tool video without just the weirder shit, because there's some weird shit in here. Like the, the, the monsters are weird. But um, for the most part, it, it's Oh, you know what, you know what, it really does remind me of the artwork from one of my favorite underground band screaming mechanical brain they you can find their stuff still out there i'm not really sure if they still are making music because i discovered them around 2004 back when basically we were trolling around the punk scene in new hampshire back when new hampshire had a punk scene and i stumbled upon them on myspace and fucking loved them it was weird techno industrial hard rock and their, the art style in their album covers very much reminds me of this movie. It's that It evokes that sort of early 2000s mentality that was kind of post-90s, but still the 2000s, trying to kind of get its own identity together, it just screams it to me. No pun intended.
0: Yeah, I want to say too, he's not credited on um, IMDb, but I believe... That in addition to uh, speaking of 90s things, in addition to Dan Harmon being in there, and of course, Rob Schrapp himself being in uh, one of the the mummies in um, the, those creatures in Robot Bastard, Doug Teneppel is one of them as well. Uh, who, who's Doug Teneppel? Hmm, uh, how about the creator and artist for Earthworm Jim, the amazing uh video games and cartoon series that it spawned. And I believe comics are actually out now or recently uh, as well. But, and Doug Temple also did um, uh, an issue of, I think it was Scud, Tales from the Vending Machine, a spinoff series that was really great. Um, A few mini-sodes ago, we also did a zine uh, review episode where I talked about, Jim Moffood's artwork and his zines and his really cool stuff. Uh, a great guy, really, really fun to talk to. And he also did an issue of uh, Scud Tales from the Vending Machine. So things connect together, guys. That's what I'm trying to say here. So yeah, well, come to me. Of course, I would recommend Robot Bastard. As Tad said, it feels early 90s in, in the coolest parts of early 90s, but also the 2000s. It is that weird 90s nostalgia that we got. And I think... If you liked Nickelodeon at its most bizarre and inappropriate, like the early, like 93 with Rocco's Modern Life and also with the 2000s with uh, Invader Zim. If you like that, you know, Jonah Vasquez, If you like that, you will love Robot Bastard and get into Robot Bastard and then get into everything else Rob Schraub has done. You're already watching Rick and Morty. I know you are, we all are. Um, and, and probably Harmon Quest too. Watch this And go read Rob Schrapp's comics, go watch his other shows, watch the Sarah Silverman show. Uh, You may have no interest, but you watch it. You're going to be entertained and you're going to have a new interest. So do it. That is it for this episode of Cults and Classic Podcast. Guys, thank you so much. I want to say uh,
1: subscribe, write reviews. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I missed a did bro. I not,
0: did I not ask Jeff?
1: I got things to
0: say here.
1: <laughs> I got, I, I got oh, words.
0: You know, here's the thing sometimes I just stop because I know what you're going to say. And you don't know what I'm going to say. You're going to say, Nate, thank you so much for having me watch Robot Bastard and McMurderer today. I love you. No.
1: I will never stop <laughs> loving you. No. No, those things are true. I do love Jeff. you, and I will never stop loving you. Jeff, that's not what I was going to say. Okay, robot, robot bastard, amazing. You can't really say much about it because it's just like an aesthetic dream. Um, I mean, maybe people with better poetic, um, uh, verbiage can can get the job done. I can't uh, go watch it. It's beautiful. It's a lot of fun, but it does remind me of something. Uh, so uh, because I love Jeff B Davis, I love Dan Harmon. Uh. The thing that actually I got to know them first on was this weird thing from a long time ago called the House of Cosby's. Um, it is uh, pretty damn funny. Uh, it's like Rick and Morty before, like, you know, 10 years before um, Rick and Morty existed. Um, and uh, if you enjoy this sort of thing, uh, Cosby sent, or his lawyers sent, you know, like cease and desist letters because letters uh, he was. Uh, portrayed in a offensive or degrading manner uh, without his consent so if you enjoy somebody you know doing something to Cosby without his consent uh, you know (laughs) take take the time and go and watch the House of Cosby's you will be entertained it's funny Uh, Jeff B Davis is uh, one of the voices there's tons of other people who do voices and stuff on that Uh,
0: check it out yeah. All right, the House of Cosby. I will absolutely check that out. And of course, Dan Harmon was also a character in uh Twigger's Holiday, that series I mentioned from Rob Schrabb. And I think to is it is it Channel 101? I believe uh you can find some of their early stuff on as well. And that's a lot of fun and really really strange. I think um uh swords kill Asians was another short series on that it's it's wild go watch it go find these weird things guys come on don't forget shorts are a massively entertaining amazing part of cinema history and especially cult cinema and so many of these things are up for free online but also get lost to time because people don't think about them as as worth their time and I think this selection has shown that's absolutely not the case uh you need to go watch you need to check them out and you need to make your own shorts guys I'm I'm going full steam on this in 2021 make your own stuff if you make short films or you want to make short films do it it doesn't matter how many people you have if you have a piece of paper and a pen you could have a dozen people just draw a face on it I don't know and then but seriously, guys, and send them to us. We'll talk about him. I mean, uh, you know, you may not like what we have to say, but that's okay. Uh, you're, you're clearly open to criticism, so give it a go. For real this time. Well, for <laughs> real this time. Thank you, guys, for listening to Cult and Classic Podcast. This has been a very fun, short extravaganza episode. And to play us out, as always, uh, is the Chud with all about evil. Please follow us at Instagram or on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast and check out our website, coltonclassicpodcast.com. You can visit our shop, buy zines that support us. You can watch videos of us on YouTube and please write reviews on iTunes, Apple podcasts, write reviews. It helps us. If you write a review, send us your screen name, either over Instagram or to our email at at gmail.com. With your screen name and your address, I'll mail you stickers and pins and, and whatever because uh, we love you that much. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. but What's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.